Okay, so this parable, without going into detail on it, is obviously that we have to have the proper soil in our hearts to receive the seed that is God's word that he's planting in us. Depending on how we receive it is whether or not that seed will germinate. And I think this changed, uh, ties back incredibly well to the first reading and the responsorial psalms. We Catholic priests, myself included, don't preach enough on the Old Testament and the psalms, but right here it is very clear. What a beautiful message in the first reading to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. Now, does that, sound like that's, does that sound like that's not a person? Does that not sound like that is not a human being? God has known you. Before you were born, he dedicated you. And then in the responsorial psalm, if you were listening, it says, from my mother's womb, you are my strength. Well, if that's just a lump of tissue, what good is that? From my mother's womb, you are my strength. You know, I'm not up in here right now to engage in a battle. This isn't just something about left versus right, Democrat versus Republican, Christian versus atheist. This goes a lot deeper. This is of God. We're talking the natural law here, something that transcends all those other things, left, right, this, that, the natural law. You know, it's interesting because the pro-life position is based not just on faith, even though I just said the natural law and, and, and all that transcends it, but it also uses reason, logic. We use both if we're going to properly stand on the pro-life position. What is that? Each person is unique and unrepeatable. The Bible just tells us, I before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Well, that means you're unique. He knew you, not just a clump of tissue. God knew us as he formed us in the womb. So people are not based just on usability or wantedness or utility. Once you have no use for society, we dispose of you. What's happening in Canada? Shocking. They're taking lives left and right in the name of the good of society. Oh, my. This is very dangerous. People are not realizing the good that these people bring. Even the Literally, I remember when I was at Huntersville Oaks in North Carolina doing my ministry with Rocky, I would bring my big yellow dog into the nursing home. There was a hundred-year-old woman, hundred years old. She hadn't been able to speak, but she could understand. And I would sit there at her bedside. I just kept thinking and 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 it grasped me so much. What this woman is doing is more powerful than any president, any politician, any senator, any 
anybody more powerful than an atomic bomb, as I always say. Because she was offering up her suffering. And a great friend, he was my confirmation sponsor, all-American, everything. Great Catholic Central in Monroe, Michigan is where we went to high school, and he was varsity football, track star, good-looking guy, just amazing. Tom Eby. Tom Eby was his name. And he got colon cancer so bad that the last years of his life, by the definition of society, he was useless. He was useless. Absolutely useless. He was unable to do anything, sick, required constant care, probably medical bills like you can't even imagine, but you know what? He offered every ounce of it. And I remember back then, my faith wasn't as strong. I was just coming back to the church. And I remember then that he said he offered every ounce of it for the end of abortion, the end of Roe v. Wade. Every ounce. Maria, I don't know if you're listening, his precious widow or his children. But Tom Eby was a man, a man that on his bed offered technically nothing useful, but in the spiritual realm, I personally believe that part of the overturning of Roe v. Wade was what this man went through. The suffering, the pain, the agonizing every instant that his body was ravaged and he offered every ounce of it for the end of abortion. God bless you, Tom Eby. I know you're up there, but I truly believe that. When I saw what he went through and I heard what he went through, I said to myself years ago, Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned because of this guy. That's what the dignity of human life is. That's what it's about. Ending life in the womb is the ultimate attack against usefulness, against beauty, human dignity. Who is it to determine some are worth living and some are not? Who determines that? Who can make that decision? The human person can't be disposed of for any reason. No reason. You know, it is true. I don't have you, I personally, nor the church has the right to tell you what to do with your body as long as it doesn't involve another body. Then all of a sudden, not only the church, but the law tells you you don't have that right. You have the capacity. By nature, all of us are created in the image of likeness of God. We have a rational nature. We have an intellect. We have a will. This is all true. But this is why Satan wants to destroy us. Because we're in the image and likeness of God. The mystery of the incarnation, Christ took on our flesh. And that gives it now an elevated dignity. He elevates all humanity and the dignity of the person to share in divine life. This is amazing. By nature, 
The mother has this authority and the physical freedom to affect the life of the baby. That's how God set it up. Now, note that she has the capacity to take its life, but not the right. It is her choice, and the father's too, with free will to take that life. But it doesn't give you the right to take that life. I, you have the capacity, I have the capacity to take anybody's life any day of the week. You could take somebody's life right in front of you on the subway. But you don't have the right to do that. No. The mom has the choice to take that life, but not the right. So when we say free choice, it's a lie. It's a lie. You actually have the right and obligation to protect that life because it was entrusted to you. If a parent entrusts, let's look at the most basic example, a little puppy. Your child wants a, a puppy. You give that puppy to the child. What parent wouldn't say, you know, you have the right to this puppy, you've been a good son or daughter, but you also have the obligation to protect it, to take care of it, to feed it, to nurture it, to, to, to foster it. You have this obligation now. If you're gonna accept that, and, and the choices we make which result in a pregnancy come with those consequences. We don't always see that. When someone is dependent on you for their very survival, their continued sustenance, and their protection, you have by nature the obligation and responsibility to protect them. Who would ever see a little three-year-old boy playing in traffic and not say, where's the parent? The parent has the obligation to protect that little three-year-old and get them out of being harmed and their life being ended in the street. We don't seem to make these connections. Even if you don't believe in God, the woman has this responsibility and the father too. I don't have the right, I've used this example before, I do not have the right to let you go if we're hiking up on a high ledge and you and I are hiking together and you slip and fall and I grab your hand and you're hanging and I've got your hand, your very life is in my hands, just like a baby in the womb of the mother, I do not have the right to let you go. I do not. Even if I'm holding your hand over a bridge, I have the choice. I have the choice. I could say, you know, it was nice knowing you, cameraman Giuseppe, and letting you go. Of course not. No way. I don't have that right. I have the choice. That's why choice has been distorted completely. I am obligated to hold on to cameraman Giuseppe, even if I'm at risk of falling. People don't think of that. If you let go on purpose, you're guilty of murder. If I'm up there with cameraman Giuseppe and I just decide, you know, getting my clothes dirty here, 
and I let you go on purpose, that's murder. This is why protection of life is important. The church has told this, taught this. You know, Faustina, I'm going to have Joseph read this. But she helped keep the hands of the angel back in Poland on Warsaw when he was going to strike for a great sin, which later <coughs> we learned was the sin of abortion. But I'm going to have Joseph read the passage, 1276. You know, St. Faustina felt stomach pains. If you listen to her description of those pains, they get you right to the core. She described those pains like pain she'd never had before. And she got them between 8 o'clock and 11 o'clock p.m. These were the time that abortions were done at the local clinic where Faustina was. The chaplet, Father Seraphim used to teach us all the time, was actually given to end abortion. I have a whole talk on that online if you'd like to see it right here on this YouTube channel explaining how the chaplet of divine mercy actually was given to end abortion. Amazing, Father Seraphim, God bless you. But I want to finish, because I know I'm going to get the letters. Stop being political, Father. Stop. I just answered two of them this morning. One says, you better be very careful. You are walking a very thin line. This is to me. You are walking a very thin line. Stop talking about politics. Well, let me tell you what the church says. The Catholic Church says we have the obligation to be involved in politics regarding moral issues. Catechism 2246, quote, it is a part of the church's mission to pass moral judgments even in matters related to politics. Whenever the fundamental rights of man or the salvation of souls requires it, trust me, the topic we're talking about today, the fundamental rights of man, the right to life. Regarding the non-negotiables that Pope Benedict talked about, I've gotten lambasted on those too. I've repeated the non-negotiables of Pope Benedict. They are the dignity of human life, the preservation of religious liberty, and the definition of marriage, upholding the sanctity of marriage between man and a woman. The, the letters that I got are, how dare you say immigration isn't important, the environment is important. We're not saying they're not important. Pope Benedict never said they are not important. Why he called those three non-negotiable means there's no two sides to the issue. Life cannot be ended for any reason. Marriage is only between a man and a woman. And religious freedom must be upheld at all costs. There is none any negotiable. There's no two sides to the story. The environment has two sides to the story. Do I use paper or plastic? If I use plastic, I put things in the landfill that never disintegrate. If I use paper, I cut down trees. You see, the whole issue is not that the environment isn't important. I'm a big environmentalist. I love to hunt. I love to fish. 
But what he means by non-negotiable is there's no two sides to the story. Life is life. It is never to be taken. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Religious liberty is to be preserved at all costs. Those don't change. In the environment, I can, we can argue it. We can come up with different alternative solutions. It's negotiable. It doesn't mean it's unimportant. So the role, this is important. So even those non-negotiable stated by Pope Benedict involves the fundamental rights of man and the salvation of souls. You know, I love the words of Bishop Charles Chaput. He wrote something called The Role of the Priest in Public Affairs. I'd like to just end this with his quote. This is Archbishop Chaput, quote, It is the job of Catholics to change the thinking of their political party and their political leaders with the tools of their Catholic faith. Now to all of those dozens, if not hundreds of letters I've gotten to stop being political, please open your heart to this line. But it is the job of the priests to give people those tools to form Catholic lay people and their conscience to think and act as disciples of Jesus Christ in a manner guided by the teachings of the church. Basically, the priest has the obligation to teach you what the church teaches, and then what you do with it is up to you. You don't have to listen. I strongly suggest it because our eternal fate rests on it. You're not listening to me. Nothing I teach you is something I created. It's what is given to us through the church by God. So as priests, it's our obligation to inform the conscience of you. Then it's up to you what you do with it. This is why I speak on the dignity of human life. It's my job. It's my obligation. It's my moral duty so now to finish, we really need to address this. Why? Do you know that 70%, 70% of women who choose abortion are Christian? Wow. You know, pro-life is being both in support of the baby and the mother. We get accused of that often. The Catholics only care about the baby. They don't care about the mother. You know, in New York City, more than half of all black women end their pregnancies. We need to help them. 53% say they were forced to end it. Those poor women. And 80% who ended their pregnancy said they would not have if they had support. Wow. Let us support the mothers. There's only one answer to all this divine mercy. And to the beautiful women who come to me for confession and break down in tears that they've had an abortion. Nowadays, I can't hug them because I'll be called to the bishop's office, but I just want to throw my arms around them and just give them a huge hug. And what I do tell them is, God loves you. 
There's no sin greater than the mercy of God. God wants to forgive you. Praise be to God. Heaven is rejoicing that you are here. So if you have had an abortion, don't let that stop you from coming here to get the grace of God. Wow. Praise be to God that he is that merciful. And that no matter what mistakes we've made in the past, lying, stealing, cheating, even abortion, is forgivable. All we have to do is say we're sorry and forgive us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us, poor sinners. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.